good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You're listening to the Thai Expat Daily Show. I'm your host, Kieran Mack, and thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to like this video if you're watching us on YouTube, and please do subscribe. We're also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and a host of other podcast players. Now that that's all done, let's jump into today's show. Well, hello there and welcome back to the Thai Expat Daily Show. Today is Wednesday, the 23rd of March 2022, and we have a number of nationwide stories that we're going to bring to you along then with the featured story. So we'll just jump into the first story of the day, which is about platforms say no to fee increase. Seven online delivery platforms confirmed on Monday that they would not raise their delivery charges despite rising energy prices caused by the Russia-Ukraine conflict to help reduce the cost of living. Speaking after meeting operators of Shopee, Lazada, Grab Food, Lineman, Food Panda, Robinhood and AirAsia Food on Monday, Watanasak Suryam, Director General of the Internal Trade Department, said seven goods and food online delivery platforms agreed to cooperate with the Commerce Ministry request to further capture delivery charges to help consumers. Those platforms also confirmed they have no plans to raise their delivery fees during this difficult period, he said. In addition, according to Mr. Watanasak, these platforms had already agreed to cooperate with the department's request to show or display their delivery charges to consumers. In a related development, Mr. Watanasak said the department sent letters to associations related to the production of chemical fertilizers to let them know about the principles and procedures under the department's consideration in order for them to raise fertilizer prices. The consideration will take about 30 days and the department needs to analyze their cost structures. The Internal Trade Department last Friday approved local traders and suppliers increasing fertilizer prices in line with rising production costs, but the move is on a case-by-case basis. The department said the rate increase by each trader and supplier would not be identical because their production costs vary. According to Mr. Watanasak, production costs have risen by as much as 36 to 49% over 2021 levels and nearly 100% above 2020 levels, primarily due to a sharp rise in global crude oil prices and the Russian-Ukraine war. Thailand is a net importer of fertilizer, importing over 5 million tons of fertilizer a year, with the main suppliers being the Middle East, China, Russia and Canada. Thailand imported 500,000 tonnes of fertiliser from Russia last year using a port in Ukraine. Mr. Watanak said the department has also continued to closely watch the overall product price situation and dispatch inspection teams to monitor the prices of essential products and food and vegetables on a daily basis. And moving along, Thailand rolls out measures to address rising energy goods prices. The Thai cabinet today rolled out a number of measures to help the public cope with the rising prices of goods, services and energy prices, some resulting from the war in Ukraine. The measures are as follows. Increase in monthly subsidies from 45 to 100 baht for the purchase of cooking gas for households used by 3.6 million state welfare cardholders. 100 baht discount per month for the purchase of cooking gas for about 5,500 vendors with state welfare cards. 
250 baht per month subsidy for 157,000 motorcycle taxi drivers for the purchase of Gasahal and the Land Transportation Department must ensure that there are no hikes in service charges. Retail prices of NGV is pegged at 15.59 baht per kilogram. Taxi drivers under a subsidy scheme can buy LPG for vehicular use at 13.62 baht per litre. FT charge for users of not more than 300 electricity units per month to be reduced by 22 satang per month from May through August. Retail price for diesel to be maintained at 30 baht per litre until the end of April, after which the government will subsidise half of the price increase above 30 baht. The oil fund will be used to control prices of cooking gas for the month of April, May and June. Reduction in the contributions to the Social Security Fund under Section 33 for employers and employees from 5 to 1% and reductions on the contributions for people under Section 39 of the Social Security Fund from 9 to 1.9% and the contribution by freelancers is reduced to between 42 and 180 baht per month. Unless otherwise specified, the measures will become effective in May and last until the end of July. The cabinet also instructed the agriculture and commerce ministries to develop urgent measures to help farmers ahead of the harvest season. Now it does seem that the Thai government are certainly trying to help the lower paid and lower end of society in terms of the reduction and handouts they're currently giving. Now the diesel being capped at 30 baht is a little bit misleading because I actually have seen plenty of petrol stations where diesel is above 30 baht and I've yet to be able to find out the reason for that. Um, it could be possibly just the gas stations are taking advantage because there's nobody monitoring what they're doing but yes still it has been over 30 baht and not at the 30 or less than that. Now of course all of this is mainly due to the Russian-Ukraine war at the moment that's affecting pretty much everywhere in the world and Thailand is no different. But I wonder guys where you are right now and no matter what country you are, what is the price of diesel in your country at the moment? How is the Russia-Ukraine war affecting you on a day-to-day -day basis or your fellow citizens there? I'd love to know what's going on in your country at the moment in relation to what is happening in Russia-Ukraine and how it's affecting you and your fellow citizens and please do leave those comments down below in the comment section. Now that leads us into a quick story that if you had told this story a year and a half ago probably YouTube, Google, Facebook would have banned you from actually saying this but life-threatening risk of repeatedly wearing the same face mask has been confirmed. Repeatedly wearing the same face mask can put you at risk of serious, possible fatal illnesses due to the buildup of bacteria within the mask. Thailand's anti-fake news centre has confirmed that this is true information and cited data from the Health Department of the Public Health Ministry. Following the widespread circulation of this warning online, the department explained that surgical face masks should not be washed and reused as they are considered to be infectious waste. Therefore, such masks should be disposed of properly in a trash can with a lid. Face masks made from cloth, however, should be washed every day with either soap or detergent and allowed to dry in sunlight. It is also recommended that people change their face masks every 6-8 to eight hours, especially when the mask becomes damp or when coming back from a high risk or crowded area where there is a chance of the disease spreading. 
The Anti-Fake News Centre was set up by the Digital Economy and Society Ministry to cope with the spread of fake news on the internet and in social media and to provide correct and verified information to the public, particularly during the COVID-19 pandemic when misleading information has proliferated. And moving along, former Prime Minister Thaksin's daughter rises in Putai Party. Fugitive former Thai Prime Minister Thaksin Shinawatra's youngest daughter, Peitong Tarn, has been named head of the Putai family, a new position created by the party at its meeting held in the northeastern province of Udan Thani on Sunday. About 1,500 party heavyweights, members and supporters attended the meeting dubbed Putai family a big home with the same heart. Incumbent Putai leader Chonlanen Sirakao announced the appointment of Pitong Tarn, nicknamed Ing, saying she has the bloodline which contains the DNA of a person who is determined to build this country in the name of the now defunct Tyrak Thai Party. Last October, the 35-year-old was named the party's chief advisor for participation and innovation at the party's meeting in Konken province. Chanlanen told the meeting that the most important ability for the head of a family to possess is the ability to unite all family members and to be someone who is sympathetic to family members and he stressed the need for Putai members to become one family. The Putai family said Chanlanen will be a new political innovation and will protect the rights and opportunities of the people. Peitong Tarn said that anyone can join the Putai family without membership fees for the ultimate objective, which is to win by a landslide in the next general election, scheduled for next year, if the House is not dissolved before then. She urged party members and supporters not to forget the party's roots. Peitong Tarn's appointment, according to political analysts, puts her just one step away from her being nominated as the Putai party's candidate for the premiership. Like her family, Peitong Tarn has been in business before joining politics. She is the deputy CEO of Rende Development, a major shareholder of SC Asset. Now, today's featured story is all about the restrictions, endemic, and yet again, the government flip-flopping. Tourism Ministry wants all travel restrictions removed by June 1 if the COVID rate drops. Tourist and Sports Ministry will propose removing all travel restrictions on June 1 if the COVID situation has improved. Tourism and Sports Minister Pia Pat Ratchapakarn said that if the number of COVID cases does not increase over Songkran next month, the Ministry will ask the Cabinet and the Centre for COVID-19 Situation Administration to allow foreign arrivals to take ATK tests on the first and fifth days of their trips from May 1 onwards. If the government approves and the situation improves further, the ministry will propose lifting all travel restrictions on June 1, he said, adding that this means fully vaccinated foreign tourists would be able to enter Thailand freely. Meanwhile, from April 1, travellers entering Thailand under the test-and-go scheme will no longer be required to present a negative RT-PCR test taken in the 72 hours before departure, according to a CCSA announcement on March 18. However, they must still book a hotel, plus RT-PCR test on the first day of arrival, and take a rapid antigen test on the fifth day. Piapat said the timeline for lifting restrictions would facilitate tourists, stimulate the economy and comply with the Public Health Ministry's policy of switching from pandemic to endemic in July. So again, another flip-flop. They've just had a meeting where they told what the rules and regulations were. The week before, they had another meeting where they discussed the plan for endemic, which apparently was thrown out the minute the next meeting came along because they changed the entry rules for that. Basically, nothing based on what they 
spoken about the week before. And now the tourism and sports ministry has come out again to say, well, hopefully we'll be able to change it again. I get that we want to change it, but you know what? Four days have passed since the last meeting and nothing in terms of COVID has changed. I do get the feeling that these guys really do just love to keep talking with absolute no action. Now, I think most people are at the point, I mean, I've seen so many businesses, organizations just saying, listen, open the damn country up. This is absolute nonsense. There is no logic to what they're doing. There's no reason for what they're doing, especially when you compare what's going on around the world in terms of reopening. And we've gone through this numerous times. Southeast Asia, neighbors are all reopening without any of what Thailand is doing. But yet Thailand feel the need to make sure to get that PCR money from the tourists when they come in and possibly put them in the COVID quarantine trap on arrival in Thailand. And it makes no sense for a country that was so proactive last year in reopening and now it seems to have gone back and took a huge step back with no real evidence for that step back. It's getting rather tiring reading headlines each and every day with a different minister talking about a different proposal. I just don't get why they don't open up the country. There is no reason for it. If you have to be fully vaccinated, then that's it. Fully vaccinated and enter. There is no need for anything else then. I mean, they've basically said it. What's going to be different between now and June 1st? In my opinion, very little is going to be different. Everybody's expecting a surge of COVID cases after the Songkran period here in Thailand because of the lack of restrictions. So we know that's going to happen. So the truth is, is reopening in June really going to happen knowing that COVID will increase? Because it does for the last two years when we've had Songkran. It's natural. In any kind of virus situation, when you have loads of people gathering and moving around the country, a virus will spread. That's normal. So what are we waiting for? The sky to open up and God to come down and tell them, oh, endemic, there you go. And just another thing, the only people who technically can declare COVID endemic is the World Health Organization. They're the only ones who have the authority to do it. Thailand actually technically don't. The only people who can is the World Health Organization. I think there's been a lot made of this endemic thing here in Thailand, but it has no meaning because if nobody else is declaring it endemic, then what's the point? We just need to get on with life now. Personally, I think the biggest issue the Thai government are going to have is convincing your average Thai citizen that it is okay to reopen and it is okay to start dropping all these kind of restrictions. Thai people don't generally watch world news. So a lot of Thai people really believe that what's happening here in Thailand is pretty much happening everywhere else around the world. They have no idea that Europe is pretty much fully open. They've no idea that America is pretty much fully open or any of the Southeast Asian countries around them. Most people believe because they don't watch international news, that what's going on here is the same as everywhere else in the world. And that's a problem that the Thai government need to address in order to be able to reopen the country, drop restrictions and other things like this, is to educate people on what is going on around the world and what is the status of COVID right now and the Omicron variant. Those things are very, very important if they are planning to seriously reopen the country and society. We've gotten to the stage now that after two years, most people know how to protect themselves from COVID. We've all learned. A lot of people around the world have been fully vaccinated, not just twice, some three times, even here in Thailand, some people four times. We all know what we should and shouldn't do to try to protect ourselves from not getting the virus. And I think at some point, we have to shift from being told what to do to personal responsibility. 
I think personal responsibility will be the way forward for everyone in the future. Whether you choose to wear a mask or not, if you feel not comfortable being in a crowded area without a mask, then you have a choice to wear it. But if equally you feel comfortable in a crowded area without a mask, then you don't wear a mask. The same with wearing a mask outdoors and not wearing a mask outdoors. These are all things that I think come down to personal choice and per your personal behavior in the future. And Thailand needs to kind of starting to educate people about all of this. I'm concerned that they are not doing it at the moment. And I'm concerned that they're more focused on confusing the public in terms of using terminology that maybe people don't understand and constantly flip-flopping about everything. And I wish they would stop that, focus on educating and moving forward. Thailand have been talking for, I think, the best part of a year now about living with COVID. But yet they have never educated the public on what living with COVID means. I am concerned that they're not very serious. There's an awful lot of people in this country who depend on tourists from abroad, who depend on expat money to be able to live, take care of their families and whatnot. And the longer this drags on, with no need for it, by the way, the more people who are suffering out there. I personally know a person who took their life last year during COVID because he couldn't pay his bills anymore. He kept it to himself for a long time until it got too much to him and he went and hung himself. And that was tragic to think that somebody who worked in the hospitality industry all his life couldn't make money anymore and he felt that the only way out for him was to kill himself. And this has been going on in Thailand and other parts of the world, of course. But it shouldn't come to that anymore. And I think governments, and especially this government now, have a responsibility to start to reopen the country as fast as possible. And obviously, as I said, to educate people about it. I'd love to know what you think about all of this, guys, down below in that comment section. Now, moving along to a story that has been very much trending on Twitter the last couple of days. And it's in relation to an American reporter who did not interview Priot. A spokesperson for the Prime Minister today refuted an American reporter's claim to have conducted an exclusive interview with Priyat Chanacha. One week after photojournalist Matt Hunt's announcement he had interviewed Priyat raised many digital eyebrows, a representative from the PM's office said today that the Prime Minister had conducted no interviews in his brief appearance at a media photo op promoting a new knock air connection. No interview took place that day, the official said. The Knock Air staff had taken pictures with the Prime Minister and then after some time invited press to take photos. No official interview occurred, he reiterated, on condition his name was not used because the office considered this a trivial matter. Now multiple messages had been sent to Hunt but had not received any response by the publication time of this article. He responded after its publication to dismiss it as sensationalised gossip. Hunt's claim to have interviewed Priot, announced March 14th to his nearly 30,000 Twitter followers, was met almost immediately with scepticism. When will the interview be published and broadcast, former Reuters journalist turned digital gatfly Andrew McGregor Marshall wrote an hour after Hunt tweeted. When I made this assignment, I thought it couldn't work, Hunt wrote. I was told repeatedly that the Prime Minister refuses interviews with foreign media. Security would be too tight. He would avoid my questions, etc. It didn't help that Hunt aggravated his unlikely claim by patronising other correspondents working in the kingdom. A note to foreign media in Thailand, keep pushing, he ended the tweet. That weird flex came with a selfie showing Hunt seated on an airplane alongside Priot, who was either not particularly thrilled to be there or just showing his resting two face. On March 14th, 
Hunt was attending an event with other media aboard a Nok Air flight connecting Don Muang Airport. To the newly opened Bitong International Airport, his tweet that morning showed he had been part of a routine media pool promoting the new Air Link. Good morning from Don Muang Airport, his first tweet that day read. This morning I'm flying with the Prime Minister on Nok Air flight DD6261, the long-awaited inaugural flight from Bangkok to Bitong International Airport. This is the first of three flights scheduled this week. Doubts grew as days passed without the alleged interview appearing in any form, with many asking in replies to subsequent tweets from Hunt when his interview would be published. By Sunday night, the episode had become a running gag on Twitter, with a growing list of people blocked by Hunt after inquiring about the story. Where is the interview to be found? Or did you avoid his answers while he was avoiding your questions? Daniel underscore Granat tweeted Sunday. Voice TV anchor Tirat Ratsalavi also called him out. What did he talk to you, he said in a tweet which garnered no response from Hunt. By then, Marshall, whose commentary can run caustic and personal, had dropped the pretense innocent curiosity. Hi, writings by Matt. You recently claimed you had an exclusive interview with Priya Chanacha and told other foreign journalists to keep pushing. We all know you lied. Are you going to own your mistake and apologize or continue embarrassing yourself indefinitely, he tweeted last night. In a series of messages sent after the story was published, Hunt declined to answer eight times whether he had conducted an interview with Pryor or not. He denied that he was aboard the plane for a media event, despite the Prime Minister's office confirming that this is where Pryor greeted him and other reporters. He said that he could explain what happened and then accused media of publishing sensationalised gossip and said he never promised any interview. But should I explain something to someone that is publicising sensationalised gossip or should I instead focus on what I have and what I need to do to keep doing this? He wrote, this is the question. Point me to where I promised an exclusive interview. In either case, I'll wait. Reminded of his original tweet and asked if he thought it didn't say that, he declined to answer. Does it say that? It's what you reported, not me, amongst other lies Hunt wrote, or maybe it's just a lack of information on your part. Hunt was a contributor to the defunct Disrupt, and his bio indicates that he provides photos to Getty Images and Ansopa Images. Now, we invited Matt Hunt to come on the show and explain his side of things yesterday evening via Twitter. And as of now, there has been no reply to that tweet. I'll let you guys make your mind up on that story. And I'd love to know your opinion, as always, down in the comment section below. And finally, the Phuket News Daily Report. Donations of school supplies sought for poor students. The Phuket Children's and Family Home of Kosira, operated by the Ministry of Social Development and Human Security, is calling for donations of school supplies to be provided to students from poor families. Phuket Tasteville Food Festival set for Sapanhin. The plethora of food festivals across Phuket is set to continue after it was announced yesterday. The Phuket Tasteville Seafood and Gastronomy Festival is set to take place from March 31st to April 4th at Sapanhin Park. And finally, Bangla Road gets another COVID check. The Phuket Vice Governor conducted an inspection of Patong Party Street Bangla Road last night to confirm that COVID measures were being enforced. But ultimately, with this story or anything else that stood out to you today, I'd love to know your thoughts in the comments down below. Because yes, this is a new show, but it's also a conversation. Now keep that conversation going. Make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel, share the video, and do all the good stuff that does help that YouTube algorithm. But ultimately, my name is Kieran Mack, 
You've been listening to the Thai Expat Daily Show, and we will see you next time.